The heavens are ripped apart and a voice from heaven says, this is my son. And the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. Don't know about you, but that's not how my days usually go. Not even the ones with baptisms in them. All of a sudden, Jesus is all grown up and ready to start. But first he goes to be baptised. But why? And what can we learn about Jesus from this? Hi, and welcome to St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse in Scotland. My name's Stuart and I get to be the minister here. Thanks for choosing to join us today. I hope you find this time helpful and maybe even inspiring. I wanted to let you know that for 2024, we're going to add a few things for you to dig a bit deeper. The first is a focus on the teaching each week. On Fridays, I'm going to post the text of the sermon on the blog page on our website so that you can revisit it and read it more closely if that's helpful to you. And maybe even throw in some questions to think about. I'm also going to post just the sermon on, as its own video on Fridays on our YouTube channel so that you can watch it again to dig deeper. These videos with prayers and songs and the sermon will still be happening each week, so don't worry about that. But I would encourage you to dig a bit deeper this year. And Fridays are the days when this new content will be available. Today, Alan is helping to lead our worship. So let's listen as he reads our scripture for us now. Mark chapter 1 And so John came baptising in the desert region and preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all of the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptised by him in the river Jordan. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me will come one more powerful than I, the thongs of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptise you with water, but he will baptise you with the Holy Spirit. At that time Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Christmas doesn't last long, does it? We get the big build-up and the long wait of Advent, and then just 12 days later we come to Epiphany, where we remember the visit of the Magi, some significant time after the birth of Jesus. But we remain in the season of Epiphany for several weeks. Epiphany means a moment of sudden and great revelation or realisation. So that's our lens for this and the coming weeks. What will we realise? What will be revealed? Today, we are catapulted back into a story that we've already heard at the start of Mark's Gospel. We've already been introduced to John the Baptist in Advent. And if you want a reminder, you can go back and listen again on the website or on the YouTube channel. John, this charismatic prophet, is out on the edge of the wilderness, heralding the coming of one who was much greater than him. The Messiah was here. Now, 
and he didn't even know. Jesus comes to John and asks for baptism. John is calling on the people to confess, to tell the truth about who they are and what they've done, so they can begin the hard work of forgiveness and reconciliation. That's an important task, and it seems like there's a real appetite for it as people come from all over. But there's a reason John is calling on the people to sort themselves out, beyond it being a good thing to do, which of course it is. Something is about to happen. Something that will change everything. Or should I say, someone is about to happen. We started reading at the beginning of Mark's Gospel again today, just to remind ourselves how quickly Mark moves to the arrival of Jesus on the scene. But before we get to what Mark tells us, I want to say something about how he tells us. Mark is the oldest of the four Gospels. These stories about Jesus that we find at the start of the New Testament in our Bible. And that's something we take completely for granted. That we have Bibles, ebooks, or apps or websites where we can just go and read this story. Until the inventing of the printing press around 1440, almost no one had a book. Just for some context, the index of books in Cambridge University Library in 1557 lists fewer than 200 books. It now has over 8 million. When Mark started to write down the story of Jesus, it was a time when nobody did that. It was hugely expensive, the materials were hard to come by, and so things that were written down were precious. Instead, people memorised stories. We call it an oral culture. Stories were told and retold in a, a format that was easy to remember. So writing down the story of Jesus itself is a revolutionary act. Something fitting for a gospel that's probably the most revolutionary of all. So this written account means that new believers will have a written text to make sure that they get the stories of Jesus right and that people don't start making up stuff or getting confused or all the things we know happen when passing on information. Send up reinforcements becomes send up two and fourpence. So these words, these words are all important. Mark doesn't waste a single one. His writing can seem brief, almost too short sometimes, but he manages to pack in much more than we often see at first glance. I've spoken before about how the first sentence, the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is one of the most politically loaded sentences ever written, and Mark just keeps going. We've spoken about John the Baptist, so so let's spend our time today looking and what happens when Jesus enters the story? And what sudden and great revelation or realisation we might discover? In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptised by John in the Jordan. And just as he was coming out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart and the Spirit descending like a dove on him. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved. With you I am well pleased. Perhaps, perhaps we should start with what's missing. John doesn't say anything. In Mark's telling, John the Baptist says the stuff about not being worthy to untie Jesus' sandals before Jesus even appears. There's no conversation, no identifying of Jesus as the one, nothing. We're told that Jesus came from Galilee and that John baptised him in the Jordan. 
There's an unspoken question that hangs around this story. What was Jesus doing before this? I mentioned that question not to be flippant, but because this is the first time that we've met Jesus. Mark has no story of the birth. And at first look, there is none of the preamble of John's Gospel about all that in the beginning stuff. Fully grown Jesus just wanders up from Nazareth and gets baptised. Why? Why would the Son of God need or want to be baptised? We speak of Jesus as being without sin. So what's he doing taking part in a ritual that's about confessing your wrongdoings? But that's not primarily what's happening, is it? Confession, if you remember back to when we spoke about it at the start of Advent, is actually about truth-telling. Confession is one of those words that we use in different ways. We confess what we've done wrong, but we also confess what we believe. And both of those things are about naming the truth. Naming the truth is the start of something, the first step. So when Jesus comes for baptism, it's not because he has a long list of stuff that he needs to get off his chest. For him, this is a moment of truth-telling. But look at who does that. It's not John, and it's not Jesus either. And just as he was coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens torn apart, and the Spirit descending like a dove on him, and a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, the Beloved, and with you... I am well pleased. Right, okay then, that was unexpected. There's a lot going on in those two sentences. Let's start with the heavens are torn apart. I've already said that Mark's gospel is revolutionary, and not just because Mark has written this stuff down. Mark's gospel is a highly charged political statement advocating a complete overturning of how the world works. So we have to ask, how does that happen? How do things change? It starts with truth-telling. Someone tells their truth, their experience of the world and the way that something impacts on them. So for example, in any civil rights movement, people speak about an injustice on an application of a prejudicial rule and how that affects them. But telling the truth isn't the only thing that happens. Just like where confession is the first step, it needs to lead to change. Or what's the point? Change comes when people hearing that truth realise their part in it and decide to work to get rid of that unfairness or prejudice. These great movements for change start small. They start on the edges, the boundaries, because the boundaries are the line where on one side people are in and on the other side, they're out. Change is about boundary breaking. So there on the edge of the wilderness at the Jordan, the boundary between the wild and the tame, the rough and the smooth, the place of wandering and the place of settlement. As Jesus comes up out of the water, breaking that boundary between wet and dry, water and air, the heavens are torn apart. The very boundary between us and God is ripped in two. The spirit like a dove breaks through and a voice from heaven speaks. You are my son, the beloved. With you I am well pleased. 
The truth has been spoken. The confession has been made. But what now? Just as with any other confession, we now have a decision to make. What will we do with this truth that's been told? Will we deny it? Will we decide that it didn't really happen? Will we pretend that it somehow doesn't mean what it says? Or perhaps we'll think that this isn't a truth for us here and now. Will we try to disprove it? Deny it? Undo it? Trying our best to reseal the heavens and restore the boundary because, to be honest, that would be better, wouldn't it? I mean, who wants God wandering around among us? That's way too much responsibility. That demands far too much from us. Because the telling of that truth, well, that means we have to take seriously the fact that God has come to us in Jesus and that God is interested in reconciliation with us to transform the world. But here's the difference. Usually when someone who has been excluded or treated unfairly speaks the truth, we can decide not to listen, or that their truth isn't our problem, or that they aren't even really telling the truth because their experience is so far from ours that we can't even imagine what it must be like. So we ignore them, and we hope it will go away, or we punish them for exposing something that we all knew but went along with because, well, because it benefits us. We can decide not to move the boundary. We can decide to continue to exclude. But that's not quite the truth of this event. God decided to rip open the boundary. There's nothing we can do about it. We can't put it back, no matter how hard we might try. And we've tried pretty hard through history. The boundary is forever broken. God is on the loose. And that's the truth. And if that realisation or revelation doesn't change everything, then I don't know what could.
loving God, may we broaden the circle of the kingdom. Let it increase in our words and acts, in our dreams and prayers, in our renewing of community in this freshest of new years. May all that has been shaken up find a new way of being. May our relationships with others be reshaped again on justice. May our renewing of community and nation be renewed on words of grace and belonging. May these early days know of hope and possibility and a way of being together for each other's sake. Loving God of fresh starts and belonging, may we be blessed with such gifts in our world. May we be that blessing and may we find it in others beyond our normal circles and within the great diversity of the kingdom. May all that has been happening shake us up. Shake out the prejudice and renew the harmony. Shake out the fear and renew the trust. Shake out mistrust and renew the hope. Loving God in the blessing that is your community, may we find you among us and between us in the place we are right now. And know such a presence is your renewing, your reclaiming, your forgiving and calling into what is yet to be. So be it. Hear us now as we pray the words you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Beloved, forgiven and cherished, go in peace. Go in the knowledge that you are a treasured member of God's family, a companion with Jesus along the life journey, and forever accompanied by the Holy Spirit, today and always. Thank you.